episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Training camps underway across the National Football League. Our position evaluations set to continue. Dalvin Cook in the news. Players restructuring and the regular season right around the corner. Lots to get to, lots to talk about, and we are here for it. The we is yours truly, Wabi, and of course, my partner and co-host, Giles. We're here and we're excited to talk it through. Let's bring Giles in right now. How's it going, pal? Hey, hey, how we doing? I am just so excited for football to be back up and running again. Yeah. Uh, it's a long off season, my goodness, but I'm, in, I'm glad that football is uh, on the horizon here. We're, we're started, we're rolling. I'm uh, going to see if maybe I can make it out to training camp on Saturday. Yeah. I'm really excited for, uh, for the pigskin to start getting thrown around again. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, our, our sort of uh, position by position evaluation got us through the dog days of pre-training camp summer right it got us through june and july and we got a couple of more to get to but now as i was prepping for this episode i don't think we're going to get to a bunch of newsy things we're going to talk wide receivers and evaluate um every uh wide receiver room in the nfc north to see where the vikings stack up which we've done with uh so many other positions in the last couple of months we're gonna do that that's the meat and potatoes of the episode but we do have one or two other things i want to get to at the end um, to talk about and as we move forward from here and wrap up those position evals guiles we're gonna have more of those newsy things to talk about we're gonna have um, storylines emerging from training camp in the preseason we're gonna start doing the numbers game with the roster hey is it gonna be five receivers or six is it gonna be three running backs or four cj ham gonna make it or not like all we're gonna talk about all those things um you know and then before you know it there'll be preseason games and then we'll be ready to talk about the tampa bay buccaneers and how are you gonna do against the eagles in week two and are you gonna overlook tampa or not and i mean this is what we live for all year man and and so do our listeners and it's here and it's exciting I uh, could not agree more. And I think uh, training camp is always an additionally exciting time because you see some players that you maybe overlooked before and they start to thrive. So when it comes to the actual Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, there might be additional people on the field that people might not expect. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So uh, lots to get to, lots to talk about. Uh, and much of that uh, we'll do in future episodes. Right now, though, we're going to focus on the NFC North and the wide receiver rooms across the division. So we'll break each room down. We'll go team by team, alphabetical. So we'll start with Chicago. We'll end with the Vikings, and then we'll see where they all stack. Uh, We will summarize. uh, We'll not only get into the top four players in each room. We'll summarize each room. But as a whole, Giles, the wide receiver group in the NFC North as a whole, what were your thoughts on it? Because I like sort of looking at it from that way before we get going and some of these positions we've done, we've said, gosh, there's some pretty good players in this division, in this position. And then there have been some other other position groups where we're like, geez, NFC North's pretty thin. Um, I don't think that the NFC North wide receivers are you know, amazing. I don't think we're going to sit here and just tell you how awesome it is. But by and large, I, it's a pretty good collection, I think, of receivers. I think the North, the NFC North, has some talent at this position as you went through each team and evaluated each room what was your takeaway the collective talent level at this position in the division yeah i would definitely agree with that i don't think they're the number one division in football but with that being said anytime you have a player like chase claypool as wide receiver three 
uh, for a specific team, I think you're doing all right. I mean, yeah. obviously, you have Justin Jefferson. I think it's no spoiler to say that I think he's the best wide receiver in football. Call me a homer, but I think most people agree with that take. Um, you have the Vikings, Lions, Packers, Bears, and all of them have at least a dude, if not multiple dudes, in their room. So I think, yep. uh, yeah, definitely uh, a solid group to stack up against um, when it comes to the secondaries in the NFC North. I think they're definitely going to put a, a little bit of a pressure on. Yeah, I think so too. So um, let's get to it. Let's let's start talking wide receivers in the NFC North at an individual level. We'll start with the Bears, and the way this goes is um, I'll set the uh, the tone with the first four players that we talk that I talk about, uh, and then Giles will react to that, and then he'll do the same exercise with his four players. Sometimes we align on who they all are at at, at positions, and sometimes we don't, and that's kind of what's fun about it. So we looked at the Chicago Bears, Giles, and my wide receiver one for them is a new player for the Bears, someone they traded for this offseason, and it's DJ Moore, mm-hmm. who, um, who graded out pretty well last year. But I, I think, Giles, DJ Moore is a guy who was probably a, an impressive chess piece that has been hidden behind subpar quarterback play in Carolina since Cam Newton left. So I think there's an, there's a, an underrated element here to DJ Moore so his PFF grade is pretty good, but I think his PFF grade, had he been playing with a better quarterback, would have been even better. Now, is Justin Fields representative of a better quarterback than what he's had in Carolina? I would say yes, it appears so, especially if he takes the next step. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't take the next step, then I think it's just kind of more of the same for DJ Moore. So we'll see yeah. what happens there. But very productive player who can line up anywhere in the offense. I think they can even use him as a running back like the Niners do with Debo Samuel from time to time. Um, I like that. An absolute player here and a handful for defenses to deal with. So on a scale of 0 to 15, which is how we're grading wide receiver ones in this exercise, I came away with a 12 for DJ Moore, a very good grade. Mm-hmm. Um, next, wide receiver two for the Chicago Bears. I agree with you that Claypool is wide receiver three, so I have Darnell Mooney as the WR2. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, again, a pretty solid grade last year from a PFF standpoint. Had 40 catches on 58 targets, just a couple of touchdowns. But um, I think that Mooney is a great example, Giles, of a player who is pretty dang good in his own right. But Mm -hmm. when you bring DJ Moore in and you push Mooney down, Mm -hmm. Mooney was like an okay WR1, but he's an awesome WR2. So, yeah. you know, you, you have really enhanced Darnell Mooney by bringing in DJ Moore. I don't yep. look at it like, oh, wow, you're out in DJ Moore. That's really sort of, you know, um, a thumbs down on Mooney. It's like, no, that actually, you, you've really helped Darnell Mooney. I gave mm-hmm. Mooney a 7 and I, on a scale of 0 to 10, which is how we're grading WR2s. So a very solid grade for a WR2. Darnell Mooney gets a 7. Mm-hmm. WR3, Chase Claypool, we already mentioned him. The Bears acquired him in a trade as well a couple of years ago from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I don't know what happened to this guy, Giles. I thought he was really a good player for the Steelers, and when the Bears got him, I'm like, wow, there's a, there's a player the North's going to have to deal with, and it just hasn't really clicked in Chicago. But now, full year under his belt, maybe Fields takes that next step. Remember, Claypool's an absolute beast at 6'4", 238. So a big drop-off since his best days in Pittsburgh. Mysterious what happened to him. But now that he's in a really good wide receiver room and he might have a quarterback taking the next step, I think mm-hmm. that there is still upside for Chase Claypool. 
The WR3s were grading on a scale from 0 to 10, just like the WR2s, and I gave Claypool a 6. And we go to the WR4 on a scale of 0 to 5 for the WR4s. It's Equiminius St. Brown, whose brother is Amon Ra St. Brown in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Equiminius um, is a player who... I think the raw talent and ability is there. He's got a good frame, um, good, um, good size, 6'5", 214. But I, whereas Mooney gets elevated when Moore comes in, the fact that Moore comes in, so Mooney goes down to a wide receiver two and you got Claypool there, I think St. Brown loses some opportunity and some reps. Mm-hmm. So it's really incumbent on him to keep his nose to the grindstone and keep trying to develop. If he can do that, I think this kid's got a lot of potential. Yeah, And if one of those top three guys gets hurt, I think St. Brown steps in and the Bears can be optimistic about that uh, proposition of Brown, St. Brown coming in and, and perhaps filling the void if more Mooney or Claypool get hurt. So um, I think Br- St. Brown's in a good spot here at WR4. Uh, on a scale of 0 to 5, I gave him a 4, which is a very high grade for your WR4. So you add it all up. DJ Moore at 12, Mooney 7, Claypool 6, Brown 4. You get to 29 on a scale that goes up to 40. So a very good room here for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, uh, honestly, I feel like you're cheating off my sheet here because uh, we have very similar opinions about the Chicago okay. Bears. Uh, honestly, going into this offseason, I uh, did not have high hopes for the Chicago Bears as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Not in love with some of the things and the moves that the Bears have made. But with that being said, have we, as we've gone position group by position group, I've become more high on the Bears than I think I maybe would have uh, just given an emotional stance. But looking at this logically, they've done a decent amount to improve their rooms, uh, including but not limited to the wide receiver group. So obviously, starting with DJ Moore um, pretty phenomenal player from the, the from the Cardinals I think uh, obviously uh, did tremendous things he was paired up with a lot of different uh, weapons over there but now he's he's with the men in uh, Chicago there uh, I do give him a 12 out of 15 uh, I do think he is a uh, definitely an above average player uh, but with that being said I think some people consider him to be like a top five player I don't necessarily consider that um uh, I, I view him as someone that's quite versatile. Uh, he will definitely fill the wide receiver one role, uh, but I give him a 12 out of 15 um, with the opportunity that if he can take a step forward uh, with a more mobile quarterback uh, with maybe a little bit of an offensive, better offensive line and uh, uh, you know, uh, other wide receiver threats here as well. I think uh, there's a chance that maybe he takes a step forward, but I did give him a 12 out of 15. Um, when I look down into the wide receiver two position for Darnell Mooney, uh, this guy, Honestly, I think in some uh, uh, scarce teams, I think he could be a uh, potentially a wide receiver one, given the right scenario. But with here, I think he's definitely a wide receiver two. Um, I think he has some opportunities to improve in the run game. Uh, but I'd give him a, a seven out of ten, uh, considering the wide receiver two uh, route. I'm definitely excited with what he's doing here. Now that he's going to be a clear number two uh, versus trying to flirt with a number one, I think you're, you're going to see his, imp- his performance improve. So definitely excited to see Mooney there. Uh, and like you mentioned, for wide receiver three, Chase Claypool. Um, as a wide receiver three, um, I think he's in a phenomenal position. I think he's he's definitely fallen down the ranks a little bit uh, when he was his uh, days, days at the the Steelers. But um, uh, at the end of the day, I did, did give him a seven out of uh, on a ten here. Um, you know, with an opportunity to go to an eight or uh, probably an eight, considering he's a wide receiver three. Uh, and then specifically for Equiminius St. Brown, like you mentioned, the brother brother for Amon Ron, who is one of the best in the business. I did give him a four out of five, uh, considering his performance from 2022 so all that to say the chicago bears get a 30 out of 40 uh from my perspective uh yeah i think 
you know, the addition of more here really amps up this room. Uh, mm-hmm. As mentioned before, it pushes solid players down a notch, right? So mm-hmm. Mooney's now a two. Claypool's now, like, anything you get from him is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And then you have a stud down there at WR4 developing. So really um, an impressive overhaul uh, in this room for the Chicago Bears. Definitely yep. a part of their team that's an asset, a part of their team that's a strength that they can rely on. And when you have Justin Fields, a young, hopeful franchise quarterback, you are wise to fill his wide receiver room with talented players. The Bears Mm -hmm. have certainly done that. So impressive room there for the Bears. Good start for the wide receiver rooms in the NFC North. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions, Giles, a team that is a very trendy, popular pick to win the North or to make the playoffs from the NFC North. And we'll see what happens with that. As we've gone through position by position down the roster, we've sort of been love-hate with the Detroit Lions. You either love their room or you don't like their room at all. So let's see where the wide receiver room falls in that discussion. And we will start with the previously mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, who was another one of those players that really stood out on hard knocks last summer for the Detroit Lions. Uh, His dad was interviewed a lot. He's got a brother also in the NFL in the same division. And then Amon Ra is good in his own right. An absolute stud uh, for for the Detroit Lions. A bona fide wide receiver one in the NFL. And uh, he resides in the NFC North with the Lions. A really good PFF grade from last year. Had over 100 catches on the season with six touchdowns. Can really line up anywhere. Uh, you don't see him. A, I don't think you see him a ton in the slot, uh, but he can mm-hmm. go in there. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely a wide receiver one. Out wide, can stretch the field. Not afraid to go across the middle. Makes lots of catches in traffic. He's well built in the upper body. He's strong. And, um, you know, I think I think when you have a Ross St. Brown as your wide receiver one, you can be forgiven a little bit for not having great players at WR2 and WR3, and that's where the really where the Lions are. I think mm-hmm. they're weak after Amon Ra St. Brown, but with Amon Ra, they are very strong. I gave him a 12, just like I gave DJ Moore a 12 at mm-hmm. the WR1 position. The next two, um, I think you could flip-flop as the second or third best players. I think... Marvin Jones, I'm going with the WR2. I'll put Josh Reynolds as the WR3. I think he'll be in the slot a little bit more. So let's start with Jones on a scale of 0 to 10. Uh, I gave Jones a 5. I think he's a guy. You know, I think he's a serviceable, reliable veteran. Uh, you know, and we've said this about other players at other positions, gals. I think if Marvin Jones is your WR2 like next year or even at the end of the season, I think you're a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's, again, just a guy. Um, he's going to lose a step very soon. Uh, He's probably already lost a step from his better days. So I gave him a five. Josh Reynolds, I also am underwhelmed by him. I I think he's a kid who looked really good with the Rams and Sean McVay when the Rams were sort of at their peak, appearing in Super Bowls and winning a Super Bowl. And I think he's kind of gone down since then. He's made a couple of other stops. Now he's in Detroit. Just a marginal grade last year from a PFF standpoint. Marginal production. Did get into the paint three times. I think he can get the job done, but again, if he's your WR3 a year from now, I think you've missed on some other prospects. I also gave him a five. And then WR4 for the Lions, I think is very interesting. I went with Denzel Mims. Is that who you went with? Okay. Um, I had a little bit of adjustment, but he was uh, kind of borderline for my wide receiver four, okay. so go for it. So that's who I went with with the WR4. Now, Mims had a little bit of an acrimonial tenure with the New York Jets, a former second-round mm-hmm. pick and never really caught on, and there was... Definitely some acrimony there. Finally, the Jets move on from Mims. They have a a crowded wide receiver room now in New York. With Rodgers coming into town, they've got Rodgers' guy, uh, Cobb, 
plus his mm-hmm. other guy, Lazard. They signed Mecole Hardman. They have a stud in Garrett Wilson. So Mims was the odd man out. And mm-hmm. he's not the odd man out because he doesn't have talent. He's the odd man out because he's just the odd man out. And mm-hmm. so they ship him to Detroit. Now, because of how underwhelmed I am with Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds, I project Mims as being a guy who could rise up to the WR2 level. So I have a very mm-hmm. high grade for Mims. As a WR4, on a scale of 0 to 5, I gave Mims a 4, which is almost the same grade I gave Jones and Reynolds. They both came in at 5. So mm-hmm. um, I think that this is an underwhelming group, Giles, mm-hmm. and despite Brown being an elite player atop. However, this group can sort of become elevated if Mims emerges as a stud and mm-hmm. gets up to WR2, and then you have Jones and Reynolds fighting for reps as the WR3. So to summarize yeah. this group from a grade standpoint, Brown gets a 12, Jones and Reynolds each get a 5, and then Mims gets a 4 that comes out to a 26, a notch below the Bears most certainly, but not an embarrassing group, especially if Mims can emerge. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the Lions are kind of an enigma because they're one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Uh, I don't think they're like the Jets where the Denzel Mim uh, uh, crowd came from. Uh, But at the end of the day, they have a great roster. And uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. They have an amazing offensive line and they have a quarterback that does well when protected. Um, Mm -hmm. Said obviously has uh, good leanings for the wide receiver group. So obviously starting with Amon Ron St. Brown, um, I'm a big fan of this guy. I think he's one of the best in the business. I think he's a top five receiver in the NFL right now. I really do. I think when you think about every category, not only is he good, I think he's elite. He has amazing hands, uh, at least catching the ball. I think if you had to point out one deficiency in Amon Ross St. Brown's game, that would be in fumbling. I think he has a little bit of a fumble problem. And when I say a little bit, I even hesitate to say that out loud. But if you're trying to... Uh, separate them from the best in the business. You get down to little inches and little uh, nitpicks here and there, and that's the only real uh, knock against his game. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, he's in the 90s category for PFF across the board. This guy is elite. He's a top five receiver in pretty much every category. So love this guy. I did give him a 14 out of 15. Um, I think I am really high on on Ross St. Brown. I think he's definitely going to be a a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings and our secondary. Um, he's, He's a dude. He's someone that I I would absolutely love to have on my team. And I hate that he's in our division. Uh, Just calling a spade a spade. Um, And we differed a little bit in wide receiver too. And I really hesitated on doing this because uh, of his off the field issues, but Jamison Williams, um, Uh, he did get suspended for the first six games. There's a chance that that goes on longer. I I really went back and forth. Do I make him wide receiver too, or do I just take him off of this uh, exercise altogether? But I did put him in um, and considering his performance on the latter half of the season, because he was hurt uh, for the first half of the season last year, he struggled out the gate, but, I think he started to pick up his pace towards the end. Um, so I gave him a six out of 10. Um, this is partially, you know, an emotional bias, partially data driven. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he does have some pretty decent upside, um, but he's also missing half the season, basically. So yeah. I did give him a six out of 10. There's a chance he could fall below that if he doesn't able to, or if he's not able to really pick up his performance that he uh, had in his rookie year. Um, but I do have him as a, as a six. I think he could go to a seven, maybe an eight, if he's really able to take a step forward outside of his rookie year. Uh, yeah. But obviously his off-the-field issues are concerning, considering it's literally costing him his availability. Um, yeah. So that's wide receiver two. And then wide receiver three, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. I uh, completely agree with you. I think he's... He's a guy, uh, I mean, I, I like him a lot better at wide receiver three than two. I will say that, right? Uh, especially when it you know, compares to your, your breakdown. Uh, I did give him a five out of 10 because I think he's 
maybe an average wide receiver three. Uh, I think, you know, he's, he's a serviceable, serviceable guy. Uh, and then, you know, when you compare that to wide receiver four, I had Josh Reynolds. Um, he's also kind of a guy, I think, uh, once again, I like him at wide receiver four, then wide receiver three. Uh, when you're thinking about, uh, you know, going four wide, um, don't love him in my 11 personnel, but hey, he can be a guy to help back up. Uh, yep. I gave him a three out of five. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, they're definitely top heavy when it comes to the Detroit uh, Lions. Amon Ross St. Brown is, once again, one of the best in the Bills business. If you can get Jamison Williams back i think you have a decent pairing there you have a decent duo i mean they're not like the the men in purple uh to provide a little spoiler here but at the end of the day i I like um i like what they're doing uh i think they'll be a serviceable team i think losing tj hawkinson will be a a big hurt to their team when it comes to points this year um it'll be interesting i don't know uh but at the end of the day i gave um the entire group a 14 out of 15 for amon rice st brown jameson williams was a six Marvin Jones Jr. was a five and Josh Reynolds was a three. Uh, So that all totals out to a score of 28 out of 40. Yep. You're at 28. I'm at 26. We got there different ways. I did not include Jamison Williams, as you mentioned, Giles. But as you were talking about him, I think I'm in line with you on um, that six, seven, eight range for him. Certainly Mm -hmm. a seven. I would start him out. I thought he was dangerous as a vertical threat. And Mm -hmm. I I know the Vikings. Yeah, he is fast. And I know the Vikings were interested in him. Um, a year ago, wound up trading and not getting him, and then the Lions get him. But um, I don't think the Vikings are are disappointed in that. But I think Jamison Williams is is a player. Um, and you mentioned Hawkinson um, in talking about this group, which is appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. However, I have a note to get to Hawkinson when we're talking about the Vikings as well. And I do think he is a a significant component in the wide wide receiver discussion uh for the nfc north uh with regard to the lions and vikings so we'll get to that Mm -hmm. later on um let's move on to the green bay packers yeah i had the most difficulty grading this room of the four yeah Yeah, it was real difficult yeah this was um there's just so much unknown here you know and Mm -hmm. before i get into the four individuals i chose and grade them i'll just start with the summary of the room because um, I think it'll lend some context to the way I evaluated the four players. There's there's definitely a vision here, Giles, with Green Bay. Like there is a plan that they have with this room. Now that doesn't mean you or someone has to like the plan, and it doesn't mean that it will work. However, I think there's a rhyme and a reason to what Green Bay is doing, um, and it comes down to they want the quarterback and the receivers to grow up together. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do. They didn't go out and get a veteran to come in and guide this group, right? They didn't go get a Sammy, like they didn't bring Sammy Watkins back to like, hey, he's going to be the guy that everyone follows. Um, Like how great would Adam Thielen have been in that role for the Green Bay Packers, right? Um, So Green Bay decided to not do that. They intentionally were like, we're not doing that. We're going to, and I I heard Brian Gutekunst, their GM, describe a, that approach as being a progress stopper. He thought that that would slow or stop the progress of their young receivers. So this is the lowest graded room um, for me in this exercise, and it's not close. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, I don't think it's a bunch of, of slappies in this room either. Like, I think there's yeah. some talented players. We just haven't seen it. So with that as sort of the summary and the context, let's get into the players. We'll start at WR1 with Christian Watson. Uh, actually, a pretty good grade last year. Um, mm-hmm. Had very similar production to the WR2 that we're going to evaluate um, here in a minute. 
but I think it's easy to see that this is that Watson is a little bit more of a reliable player than maybe Romeo Dobbs is. Um, Mm -hmm. Now uh, Watson ends up with 41 catches and seven touchdowns, but you have to wonder what could have been had he made plays on some um, balls thrown his way that he didn't, including very (laughs) early in week one against the Vikings when he got behind Patrick Peterson and had a walk-in touchdown, but the ball slipped right through his fingers. So, um, and you don't, not only do you not know how that game would have gone for green Bay, had Watson made that catch, but considering Watson making that catch could have helped Green Bay win that game. Don't you wonder what could have happened for the season for Green oh Bay goodness. if Watson would have made that one catch? You yep. know, I don't, I don't mean to be too sensational on that, but you have to wonder. So anyway, no, it's a big um, deal. A lot of talent here. I might be a little high um, in this grade, but I gave Watson a ten on a scale of zero to fifteen. Mostly because of the upside, um, I think he is a bona fide prospect to be a WR one. I don't think he's quite mm-hmm. there yet, but I could. I think he could get there. I think his ceiling is a as an eleven or a twelve, um, bordering on a thirteen. If like Jordan loves the guy and they really got something going, but I got to see it before I can grade it that way. And I, I ended up with a ten on Watson. Uh, mm-hmm. WR two is Romeo Dobbs. Now he. I mentioned that I thought Watson was like a little bit more reliable. And so he's the WR1 and he gets the higher grade. Dobbs, to me, if like everything goes according to plan and you reach your potential, I think Dobbs is a stud. But I just don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. So, you know, modest marginal grade last year from a PFF standpoint, had very similar production to Watson, but got into the end zone fewer times. Played with Rodgers, now he's with Love. Can Love pull from Dobbs what Rodgers could have pulled from Dobbs? I don't think so. I ended up with a with a five uh, for Dobbs. WR3, I went with a rookie, Jaden Reed. Rookie second rounder out of Michigan State. Graded pretty well last year for the Spartans. Doesn't have great size. I think he's got some flexibility. I think he'll play in the slot. I'm not going to say he's, the, he's a guy you can motion and run and put in the backfield and all that yet, but we'll see. I think he's got that potential ability um we'll see what uh what they have with Jaden reed on a scale of zero to ten i gave him a five which i think is a fair grade for um a second round wide receiver and then um lastly i didn't know what the heck to do at wr4 i had no idea (laughs) um i did some research i read some blogs i read some newspaper articles um i ended up going with another rookie here uh dontavian wicks and um i thought it'd be fun to grade and take a look at someone i had no idea who he was Rookie fifth rounder out of Virginia. Not much production last season for the Cavaliers. However, great production in 2021, and I'm guessing Green Bay had their eye on him for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing that that's why they were high on him, and I'm guessing that's because he didn't have great production in 22. Maybe he was hurt. I'm not sure what the deal was, but that's probably why he fell into the fifth round. So Green Bay seems excited about him, Giles. I haven't seen anything on a scale of, of 0 to 5. I gave him a 2. So when all is said and done, Watson at 10, Dobbs at 5, Reed at 5. Uh, that's 20. Two more for Wicks. The Packers end up at 22. 22. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had very similar postures once again. I think you could make the argument that the Packers have one of the weakest rooms in the entire NFC. Not even the NFC North, but one of the, the weakest in the NFC uh, yeah. uh, across the board. And I think yeah. starting with Christian Watson, obviously he's WR1. Um 
I put him at a 10. Uh, I think uh, for the exact reasons that you mentioned, I think he does have a decent upside if you're able to leverage it. Now, I'm not particularly high on Jordan Love. Um, so I think that will definitely digress when it comes to, to Christian Watson. I think there's a chance that that digresses here from his score uh, this time next year. Um, but I think he, if he does have a, a competent person throwing to him, I think that improves. So if I'm completely off on Jordan Love and he shows up and shows out and then Christian Watson could have a higher an 11 uh, or, or a 12 even, um, I think he does have that type of upside. I think he had some some rookie mistakes that if fixed, uh, you know, can can definitely show up uh, in, in ball out there. Um, but at wide receiver one have an 11 uh, or I'm sorry, a 10 out of uh, out of 15. Uh, then moving on to Romeo Dobbs. Um, I'm in a similar posture. I think he's a diet Christian Watson here. Um, yeah. I think uh, I did give him a, a six out of, a, out of 10 here. Um, I think there's some issues in his run game uh, abilities here when a pass blocking standpoint, uh, you know, when necessary. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not really high on him. Uh, I think he has less of an upside with Christian Watson, but when on the field, you know, if they're at their current moment in time, I think he's, he's an average guy. Uh, so I did give him a six out of 10. Um, I, I, I question putting him at a five out of 10, but I think based on his performance on the field, I did give him a six out of 10. Uh, and then moving on to Jaden Reed, obviously, uh, you know, uh, absolute rookie. So a little bit, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how we'll have to wait and see and how he, he uh, performs in 2023 season. Uh, but I did give him a five out of 10, uh, partially just because of his performance. So I think if you're able to mimic what he did in 2021, I think that has an upside of a seven or eight. Um, and he instantly moves up the depth chart into a wide receiver, you know, uh, two or a wide receiver one B, uh, um, I think, you know, he does have some decent upside if he can get back to 2021 posture. Uh, and then for wide receiver four, I was in the same position. I really went back and forth on who to put in there. Uh, I did go with Samori Tor, yeah. or Tori. Uh, uh, not high on this guy either, uh, but he did get yeah. some reps last year. I did give him a two out of five because if I have a wide receiver four, I think he's the worst in the division uh, when it comes to a wide receiver four position. But all that to say, when you add them all up, you get a 10, six, five, two, uh, which brings them to a 23 out of 40, which is not the greatest uh, uh, position to be in, uh, literally and figuratively going into the 2023 yep. season. Yep. Agreed. Uh, pr pretty similar evaluation there. Don't know who to put in at W4 and need the quarterback to pull more out of the top three guys. I mean, that, yep. that's really where they're at. So um, the vision is there for Green Bay. Does it come to fruition? We will wait and see. I do not sense that Packers Nation is excited about their room. Um, no. You know, so, and hard to be because there's nothing there to look at. It's all uh, projection-based. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, let's go on to the Minnesota Vikings, who actually, I had a... You know, I said Green Bay was the most difficult room to evaluate, but I don't think the Vikings were much easier. And the reason for that is when when all was said and done and I looked at the grades for each team, I was like, it just doesn't feel right with where I have the Vikings. Okay. But then I'm like, you know what? Their true WR2 is not a part of this evaluation, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, it's Hawkinson. I mean... It really is. I, and... And so you lose Adam Thielen, and and the guys that they're going to ask from a wide receiver standpoint to replace Adam Thielen have a higher ceiling than Thielen has right now. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that they are better than Adam Thielen, and I can't grade them better than I would have graded Adam Thielen because it's just like with the Packers, it's it's based on a projection. Mm -hmm. um, and Hawkinson, though, I... I I would have had a like if Hawkinson was in this exercise as a WR two. I mean, he's he's like an eight or a nine on a scale of zero to ten. Okay, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, and 
if not a 10. I mean, what more yeah. do you want out of your WR2 or your, or your TE1? So, yeah. um, so I think the Vikings are at a natural disadvantage in this type of an evaluation because they have a, a different approach uh, mm-hmm. with their tight end being their true second threat at, as a pass catcher. So with mm-hmm. all that being said, let's get into the specifically the wide receivers for the Minnesota Vikings, and we start with Justin Jefferson, 15. Enough said, yep. right? I mean, he's, Period. to me, Full 15. Stop. You can't get better. You might like Stefan Diggs' style and flavor a little bit more. You might like to lean on Mike Evans having, you know, 1,700 straight, 1,000-yard seasons, whatever. Like, we can we can split hairs here, but Jefferson's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might prefer someone else, but no one's better than him. He gets yep. a 15. Um, WR2, I went with K.J. Osborne. And I want to give respect to a guy who's been there already. I know Jordan Addison is uh, someone everyone's excited about. But uh, I went with K.J. Osborne at WR2. Now, um, I I think he, he appear, uh, appears to be a really likable kid. Like, everyone likes him. I think he's got a great attitude. People I know at the team all like him. No one says anything bad about him. I think he's a really great option as a WR3. Mm-hmm. But if, and, and that's what he is for the Vikings because he's behind mm-hmm. Hawkinson, I think, in the pecking order. But in this exercise as a WR2, you know, I think it's a wait-and-see type of thing. So I, th- mm-hmm. I, I think you and I may diverge here a little bit, Giles, but I, I gave him a six. And, and I don't want to yeah. be disrespectful to him here. I think he could end up being much better than that. And as a WR3, I probably would have given him an eight or a nine. Like mm-hmm. there aren't many WR3s better than him. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I'd rather have KJ Osborne than Chase Claypool. Agreed. He's the Bears WR three. I'd rather have yep. Osborne. So right. um and, and, but they ended up at the same grade. The problem is Claypool's a three and Osborne's a two. So uh he gets docked a little bit there. Uh but I do want to qualify that grade as a six. Uh, I think he's better than a six, just as a WR two. He comes in as as a six. Conversely, with Jordan Addison Giles. Um, a really good option as a WR three, right? A first round pick is your is your W WR three. Um, that that's a good position in which to be complete stud at USC, especially in twenty twenty one. Like his highlights and production last year were really good, but in, he had seventeen touchdowns two years ago. Um, yep. So um, fifteen hundred yards, one hundred catches, seventeen touchdowns, complete stud at USC. Which is saying something because that's that's big boy football um, uh, with big boy teammates. Um, USC has no problem recruiting. So um, yep. Addison standing out uh, for USC, very good. Also played at Pitt, um, w- which he had great production at Pitt. Um, but that also um, that's big boy football at, at Pitt as well. So I ended mm-hmm. up uh, giving Addison a seven on a scale of zero to ten at WR three, and finally at WR four. I think you could go a couple of different ways here. I um, a lot of pub and a lot of uh, positive things for Jalen Naylor so far yeah. uh, in the offseason program and so far in training camp. So I went with him at WR four. And um, I don't want to get too high on him, Giles, but I actually gave Naylor on a scale of zero to five. I I, I didn't go zero or one. I gave him a two. Um, I, I think he's got a chance. I, I think he's got 
raw ability to have a chance. I just don't know if he's going to get the reps and the target share uh, with the other pass catchers. So mm-hmm. I think he's an okay option as your fourth guy. And really, as we've mentioned, he's he's your fifth guy because Hawkinson's your second, so everyone else moves down. So I'm okay with Naylor as a project and a guy that uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, can try and develop. I gave him a two. So when all is said and done, Jefferson 15, Osborne 6, Addison 7, nail or two you get a 30 and you get the number one group in the nfc north hey hey there we go uh yeah i would say obviously we have a, a lot of similarities but a few differences uh at the end of the day i think um uh there is something interesting to be said about your previous comment about tj hawkinson and, and him being wide receiver two um i think you could also make that accusation around wide receiver four because i'm a Big advocate that Josh Oliver is going to be integrated into our passing oh, game. When okay. he was passed to for the Ravens offense, he had a phenomenal receiving grade. Like when yeah. passed to, he did great. It's just he wasn't targeted because they had Mark Andrews and they didn't pass a lot as an offense. Like they were a mm-hmm. very run oriented team. Um, so I'm really expecting to uh, have Josh Oliver be integrated into the receiving game. With that being said, if we're going to limit this to just wide receivers, um, Obviously, it starts with Justin Jefferson, the best in the business. He is the guy. He is the one that is maybe the most valuable player in the entire NFL outside of quarterbacks. Uh, I gave him a 15 out of 15. Clear, he is the guy. I don't see him getting any worse. I only see him getting better. Every time he's stepped on the field, season in, season out, he has put more performance on the field. Um, So I'm really excited to see what he puts onto the field this year. Um, So clear uh the best in the business for this division and the entire nfl so 15 out of 15 um i did put wide receiver two as jordan addison only because of his high uh, receiving grade i am very high on him um, but with that being said it is an opinion so i did give him a six out of ten with the upside that i think he could be up to an eight or a nine if he is what i think he is i mean that's a big if did i get it wrong i can i can definitely be a homer in that regard but he had an amazing performance at usc um i think he has uh a baller mentality uh i mean there's been a, a pretty strong comparison between him and stefan diggs both in a literal sense and a figurative sense uh he's obviously from Maryland. Uh, he's, he's ascribed to the belief that he wants to become the next Stefan Diggs. So if he can get that baller mentality, I know a lot of people think that Stefan Diggs is too flashy and he's a little bit of a prima donna, but when it comes to the, the baller, I need to win mentality on the field, I'm really excited to see what that could do for the wide receiver two position. But I did give him a six out of 10 because he is unproven. Um, if he can, if he can step on the field and become what I think he is, I think that instantly goes up much higher, which then puts you in the conversation for one of the best wide receiver duos in the league if he realizes that potential. If not, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you realize the upside, I think you have some really interesting components for the Minnesota Vikings for wide receiver one and two. Um, so then moving on to wide receiver three, obviously that's KJ Osborne. I, I really went back and forth on whether he should be two or three. Um, I really love having him as wide receiver three. I think he's a phenomenal option. Um, I did give him an eight out of 10 um, because I think, especially as a wide receiver three, there's not much better. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, I, I can't tell his lack of production last year was simply because of lack of targets. I believe it was that, um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for him to go to a nine or a 10 if he steps forward and gets more targets this year, depending on our scheme. Uh, but I did give him a, an eight out of 10 because uh, he's, he's the guy. Um, and then moving out of wide receiver four, Jalen Naylor. And I yep. think, uh, I mean, it's been in the news a lot here recently that he's showing up and showing off at, uh, at training camp. Um, he's turning a lot of heads. Now they're not in pads yet. So I think uh, that's something important to note that, you know, if we can continue the performance, that'll be great. Um, but I look at 2022, uh, Jalen Ragor was the wide receiver four for the beginning of the season uh, and through most of the season. And then I believe, well, I can't remember the exact game, but he ran a few wrong routes towards the end of the season and he got benched. 
Like Rager yeah. was taken out of the game and he was removed from the wide receiver four position. And in comes Jalen Naylor. And every time that they ran a unit that required a fourth wide receiver, Jalen Naylor did phenomenally. This mm-hmm. guy was elite when passed to. Like he, he did great in every single category. So when I'm thinking in the context of a wide receiver four position, I gave him a five out of five. I'm really high on Jalen Naylor. I think he is... Other than, I forget his name. He's like the second fastest guy in the team. They call him Speedy Nailer. This guy, I think, could be a tremendous deep threat for us. And hot take here, depending on if my my um, uh, my prediction about Josh Oliver comes true, if they use war wide receivers, in that context, I think Jalen Naylor has the opportunity to supersede J- uh, KJ Osborne. I okay. really do. When I think wow. about upside, I think he is... He has the upside of being a better player than K.J. Osborne. I really do. I'm really excited to see what we can do on the field for him. But at that being said, you have a 15, 6, 8, 5. You have a 34 out of 40 score for a wide receiver room. And that's not even including the tight ends. I think both right. tight ends we have at the top two, tight end one and two, are phenomenal. I am really excited about the entire receiving core for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, call me a homer, but when you try to look at this from a logical perspective, we have a significant amount of talent, and I'm really excited for it. Yep. Um, I, I, I think we had a, a few different numbers and we got there a slightly different way, but we're of the same opinion that this is an impressive group of pass catchers when you mm-hmm. throw in the, the tight ends mm-hmm. and really an impressive group of skill players that the Vikings have. And we haven't done running backs or tight ends yet, uh, mm-hmm. but we, we will in forthcoming episodes. And this, the Vikings are a team built around its offense, offensive minded head coach, yep. established veteran franchise quarterback. Uh, best wide receiver in the NFL, mm-hmm. top five, top three tight end in the NFL, and an offensive line that is better than you think. Uh, that, yep. That's what that's what Giles and I think about the Vikings offense. And this is a team that needs to score 25, 6, 7, 8, 9, 30 points uh, to win games. And, mm-hmm. they're, and the defense might get better than it was last year. It can't get worse. Um, and that would be great. But this team's going to be led by its offense, and it will go as far as Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson can take it. Um, so, uh, and and so, given that's what they've decided to be, the fact that their wide receiver room grades out the way it does is a good sign. It's an impressive room. It's the best room in the division. The Bears are close, close, but. Mm-hmm. When you throw in the tight ends and combine those groups, it's not close. And mm-hmm. I know Cole Komet just got some big contract that made me, you know, my jaw hit the floor. Like if that's <laughs> what Cole Komet gets, what's Hawkinson going to get? Well, I mean, Hawkinson needs to be paid like a wide receiver almost. Oh my right? goodness, yes. I mean, yeah. that, that that he really does. Um, and 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 he's in line for an extension. That's actually one thing I want to talk about here when we wrap up the the wide receiver rooms in the north. But um, really impressive room for the Vikings. Impressive group of pass catchers. They've done a good job of building this up. Um, several of the pieces were already there when um, when Quezzy and O'Connell arrived, uh, but they've added some pieces too that are exciting, including Jordan Addison, and I'm excited to see what he can bring. I don't expect much from him uh, in camp in the preseason. Uh, I think it's something you got to see once the games start, and um, and so we'll see what happens. I think O'Connell knows how to evaluate receivers and knows how to use them, so um, I'm I'm high on Addison as well. Um, I just wanted to give uh, respect to the veteran and, and put Osborne at WR2. But um, a fun exercise to go through. We come away pretty impressed with the Vikings and Bears wide receiver rooms. Not so much uh, with the Lions and the Packers, uh, uh, although we do like Amon Ross St. Brown uh, quite a bit with the Detroit Lions. So uh, fun exercises to do position by position throughout the NFC North to see where the Vikings stack up with wide receivers. They stack up to be number one. Um, we have running backs and tight ends yet to do, and we have corners 
still to do. So uh, Giles and I will have a, an off-air production meeting after this recording and figure out what we're going to do next. Uh, maybe we'll get two done in the next episode uh, so we can wrap these up before those preseason games and roster cuts get going. Anything yeah. else on wide receiver rooms, Giles, before I transition to something else here? Yes. Lastly, I think uh, a lot of the listeners might remember from earlier in the offseason, we mm -hmm. did an episode kind of entailing what it would require for the Minnesota Vikings to be the, mess, the best offense in the NFL. Yes. Um, evaluating us if we were able to, to trade for T. Higgins uh, and use that oh, yeah. to be able to propel us forward to have uh, one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yep. I'm a really big advocate that if three things happen, I think the Minnesota Vikings can be number one in points this upcoming season. All Those right. three things... If you get Jordan Addison to realize his upside, and that is, it, all these are if scenarios, so, you know, uh, treat that as it may. Uh, but if you realize Jordan Addison's upside, if he really becomes who I think he can be, I think he's going to be a phenomenal number two position because I love Adam Thielen, but he lost a step last year in terms of speed, uh, and that really costs us from a wide receiver two position. So if you're okay. able to replace Adam Thielen with Jordan Addison, realize what that could be and actually have a true wide receiver two, that'll be phenomenal because then when Justin Jefferson is bracketed, you actually have a true, you know, a, a 1B option to, to pivot to and realize production without having to leverage your tight end. You've okay. become much more multidimensional. Uh, the second would be um, your right guard, um, Ed Ingram. If he takes a step forward and fixes all of his rookie mistakes and we we really clean up our interior pressures. I think that's going to be phenomenal. You got to keep Kirk Cousins protected, give us more time to get the receivers downfield. That's going to be phenomenal. And third, if Josh Oliver is who I think he is, if he's the best uh, uh, blocking tight end in football, and more importantly, can truly be a receiving threat in the pass game, I think we instantly move into the best offense in the league. I really, really do. Um, last year, and we went over it, we were fourth in touchdowns. Um, we weren't as great from a, a field goal perspective, but we did really great with scoring touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And I think we had a lot of deficiencies last year. And yeah. I think we're only taking a step forward here. So I think if all three of those things become true, I think there's an option for the Vikings to be the number one scoring offense in the league. And that would be exciting because Vikings fans, especially the new ones, Giles, and by new mm -hmm. ones, I mean like since like the Moss Carter days. Yeah. They respect the and, and appreciate Vikings history and tradition and the Purple People Eaters and Bud Grant and all that. But but new school slash medium school Vikings fans, they, they like offense. They like mm -hmm. wide receivers. They like good quarterback play. They like lots of points scored. And that's the flavor, that's the look and feel of this offense. I don't yes. disagree with you that this offense has the potential to be that productive. Yep. And I don't disagree with what needs to happen to get there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think Ed Ingram, like Ed Ingram doesn't need to be Randall McDaniel, you know, <laughs> or Steve Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, he just has to not give up 11 sacks. Yep. <laughs> And give up the most pressures in the NFL. <laughs> right. I think he gave up 11 sacks last year. It was some yep. ridiculous number like that, you know? Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, this this has the makings of a, of a really explosive offense. It's not automatic. There are some things that need to happen. Um, yep. And Giles did a good job of sort of laying those out, detailing those. Um, but the, the bones are there. And, mm -hmm. you know, Justin Jefferson obviously is, is a big part of that. So uh, 100%. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, um, moving on to a few of the things I wanted to get to, Giles, as we wrap up this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. A piece of the structure that was there last year that is not currently there is someone who's going to go visit the New York Jets this weekend. Mm -hmm. And that is running back Dalvin Cook, who the Vikings released 
uh, I don't know, a month and a half or so ago. Now, um, on this show, Giles suggested Dalvin could be back, and literally the next day, Kirk Cousins did the same thing. So <laughs> I don't think Kirk's listening and a subscriber of the Wobcast 2.0, although he might be. I don't hey, think Kirk. that's the case. I just think you and Kirk were thinking alike. And I there thought may that was or not be a texting thread. Who knows? Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then Quezzi Adolfo Mensa did not rule it out in his training camp press conference. And I don't know if you heard that, Giles, but he did not. I did. He had the opportunity to rule it out. And he was not suggesting it will happen, but he didn't rule it out. Mm-hmm. Then I saw that he's going to visit the Jets. And, um, you know, they have Brees Hall although he's coming off an ACL. So I actually yep. think it's a good fit. And, and then really Rogers, is a win-now window. Yeah, Rodgers just restructured his deal, so they, they got some cap space. So Dalvin Cook visiting the Jets. On a scale of 0 to 10, Giles, how likely is Dalvin Cook to be a member of the Jets in 72, 96 hours? Honestly, because of the restructure for Rodgers, they're clearly making room for somebody. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm not inside the room for for the conversations regarding Brees Hall, but if they're looking to sign Dalvin Cook, that means they're not confident that Brees Hall is back in the building in an in a accurate time for the start of season. So uh, I think there's a high chance that that comes to play. Now, I was of the opinion for most of the offseason that he'd be ready by week one, but considering these moves, that tells me that he's not ready, which would make Dalvin Cook uh, a great candidate to go green. Yep. I heard an interesting discussion on Sirius NFL radio this morning about what's a better fit for Dalvin because the two finalists seem to be Miami and the Jets. And I think long term, you would say Dalvin has a better chance to be the RB1 in Miami than he would Mm -hmm. with the Jets because the Jets are high on Brees Hall and rightfully so. However, the injury to Hall that Giles has just mentioned leads you to believe that Dalvin would be the the workhorse with the Jets as well. So uh, I think the Jets are in a better position to win a bunch of games this season. That's my opinion because I'm high on Rodgers and I'm not high on uh, Tua. And I just think the Jets roster is better overall. But um, we'll see where he ends up. I think the Bills needed a running back with Naheem Hines going down and Dalvin was never really mentioned there. So... It seems to be a Dolphins-Jets thing, and if neither of those, maybe pipe dream it's back to the Vikings. But uh, we'll see what happens with Dalvin and the Jets over the weekend. Okay, uh, a few other players to get to here. The list I have, and you tell me where you want to go first. I have something to talk about with regard to Daniil Hunter, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, and Brian O'Neill. Where do you want to start? Let's start from the back. Let's start Brian O'Neill, Mr. Big Boy. I don't like that he – I don't like what I'm reading. Like, he's not pre- – I know he's, he's coming off an injury. We all know that, whatever. But I just – I wish he was – I don't know. It has one of those – like, one of the lines I read, I can and I can't remember who wrote it. If I could remember, I'd give him credit for it, but I can't remember, so I'm not going to guess. But the line was, and the team is hopeful that he'll be ready for September, whatever the date the game is, ninth. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the week one – game date i wish i knew it off the top of my head i don't whatever it is september something september he should be back september whatever it is. i'm like really like that's what we're that's what they're the like he should be back like I, it should be like he should be back for the third preseason game or second preseason game when all the starters are going to play it that would make me feel okay yep am i overthinking this like i i didn't like that like i that feels to me like it's a lingering they don't really know when he's going to be back type of thing 
So I totally get that perspective. I didn't really think about it that way. That maybe gives me a little bit moment of pause. But the fact that he wasn't put on the pup list to start training camp really get, gave me um, some excitement. The fact okay. that like, oh, there's not a definite, oh, he's out. Like, there's no way this is coming back. Because obviously there's two trains of thought here. Like, will he be back by week one? And will be will he be, be able to play the entirety of this season or the, at least the majority of the season and i think yeah. the the latter is far more the priority for me although yep. i would love yep. it if he can play every single game because he's one of the best tackles in the nfl mm -hmm. uh top 10 for both left and right tackle in my opinion mm -hmm. uh, and pff would back me up there uh so uh, at the end of the day uh i'm not super concerned because it was only you know a minor tear it wasn't a full break or you know a, a, a full rip um in that regard so i am excited that maybe he could come back with that being said uh it wasn't super widely reported but we just signed bobby evans uh tackle from the rams um and i thought we were you know relatively set when it came to offensive tackle when you think about vidarian low when you think about Odi oli udo um yep. I was kind of surprised with that move. So I don't know if that is a leading indicator that, hey, maybe Brian O'Neill is worse than we thought. Uh, or if that's just simply, hey, let's bring in another body. You know, there's no such thing as too much competition. Uh, but kind of an interesting move to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, it is. And it's not an injury to an insignificant, you know, uh, part of his body. Like he needs. No. He needs your that. base. Yeah, he, he needs his base. So um, we'll see. Uh, I think he's a tough guy. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a great player. So I'm not pessimistic on him playing. I just didn't – I didn't expect that it would be a sweat to get him to yeah. week one. I, I didn't yeah. expect that. So um, that that's where we're at on, on O'Neal. All right, let's work our way up from the bottom. Uh, Jefferson was second to last. So actually – uh, Jefferson, Hawkinson, and Hunter are kind of the same thing. Those are the three okay. players that the Vikings need to extend. Mm -hmm. um, Jefferson, is that like, from what I'm hearing, when, when I listen to him talk and I read what he says, I don't think it needs to get done real soon. I think he's good. Now, maybe he's being a good guy out in public and his agent is like banging the drum behind the scenes. I'm not sure. But I think the relationship is so good, the production is really high, and there's no disputing where he is in the pantheon of wide receivers. Like, yeah, he's the he's best. The so whenever we do this deal, he needs to be getting the most money of anyone at the position. So maybe yep. that's why there's no, like, tug of war and acrimony here. And maybe that's why he'll be the third of Hunter Hawkinson and, and Jefferson to get it. Maybe that's why he'll be the third. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not anticipating anything soon, but I'm not worried about his future in purple. How do you feel about it? So uh, assuming injury uh, remains silent here, I think right. that should always be the case for all these conversations. Assuming lack of injury, uh, I actually low-key think he's being smart here um, because I, I work in financial services. I do equipment finance, and we do a lot of negotiation. Mm -hmm. And when you think about negotiation, you obviously want to be in a power position in a lot of perspectives. And at the end of the day, next year, there's a rumor that the, the salary cap is going to skyrocket. And when you're negotiating with a team, you're also negotiating with someone that has a limited number of dollars that they can give you and you're asking for a percentage right and i think when that pie gets larger you have a better negotiating position to ask for more because then you're saying well hey you have more to give so you should give more to me and if that goes up next year he's actually in a much better negotiation position if he begins those talks next offseason because okay. uh, he can get way more dollars especially assuming that they will sign him to a long-term contract mm -hmm. i'm not going to say it's going to be a patrick mahomes size deal but like once again, assuming that there's no injury here, I think it's a good idea to lock him up for a long time, and he is a smart player to wait another offseason to see that cap go up. Interesting. All right. 
Um, a player who did not wait another offseason to get an extension was Chicago Bears tight end Cole Komet. Four years, yeah. $50 million. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a good player. Like, <laughs> yep. whatever. But when I saw that, I was like, jeez, what is Hawkinson going to get? Yeah, I completely agree. I, it honestly scares me a little bit considering how many players that we're going to have to pay over the next two to three seasons. I mean, next offseason, Christian Derrissaw is going to be up for an extension. Mm. Uh, like, we have a lot of premier talent. Honestly, all of them mostly on offense. On but offense. at the end of the day, there's a lot of people to pay, and TJ Hawkinson is going to get the bag. Daniil Hunter shows up for camp without a contract. That surprised me. I, I thought he would be a holdout. Mm-hmm. Um. You know him better than I do because you've actually spent time with him, but I think uh, he seems like a guy that is somewhat logical. He's low-key, not a, a flashy guy by any stretch of the imagination, doesn't really engage with the, the media very much. I think it was the, uh, the penalties for not showing up that he uh, really uh, kind of shifted pace for because it's $50,000 a day in fees when you hold out. And I think he was just a guy that says, you know what, if I spend 20 days holding out, that's going to be a million dollars. Is that really worth the negotiation here? So I think he's more in the hold-in category as a lot of people have been talking about. Um, but I don't know. I guess uh, you may be he hearing a different, different rumors if we're still trying to move him uh, to a different team or if we're trying to keep him... Uh, uh, in a purple uniform this year. I, I'm not hearing that. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just not hearing it. I, I think, I kind of think they want him. I think the Vikings mm -hmm. want him there. Um, mm -hmm. And, and maybe, maybe they've reached a point in the negotiations where Daniil and his representation feel good enough about showing up. Cause they're like, you know what? We're this far. I think we're almost there. Uh, but I was, I was just surprised. I looked, I looked at Daniil as probably a guy who wouldn't be at camp and they'd get a deal done around the preseason games and he'd be ready for week one, but he's in camp and I don't know what, mm -hmm. how much he's participating. That mm -hmm. doesn't totally matter to me. Cause I, I don't, I know he's kind of learning a, a new position and a new scheme, but uh, you know, him just being in the building, I think is a, is a really good sign for the Vikings. So, yep. um, but look, they were, you know, they, they won a bunch of games last year, all is hunky and dory and they're feeling good. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, when that's the tenor in your building, you know, things like this happen. And, and they had to make some hard choices, you mm -hmm. know, with Kendrick Steelen and Cook. And, uh, mm -hmm. But they also made some positive choices by, by paying some people and keeping some people. And Daniil Hunter is, is one of those examples of a positive choice that they made to, to keep and eventually pay. And, uh, um, you know, if they can find the right spot for him on their defense, um, he can be a productive player. And really, I think they need him because I've been pretty vocal on, on this show like i don't like their pass rushing situation at all uh mm -hmm. you know when when they lost zedarius um i think that hurts so they definitely need daniel but um yep. we'll continue to watch those reports out of training camp and talk about them here on the wobcast 2.0 and we'll continue our position by position look at the nfc north to see where the vikings roster ranks relative to their division foes uh as we carry along here through the rosters we've done a ton of positions but we got a few left I think we'll combine corners and safeties and we'll do secondary maybe. And then we got running backs and tight ends to do. So we got a few episodes uh, worth of these evalu evaluations to get to. Plus there'll be a ton of other awesome, fun, exciting news uh, to talk about. Giles, I'm excited to watch Hard Knocks this year and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, you uh, you read my mind. I'm really excited to see how that uh, mixture comes into play because yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a unique personality, that's for sure, and exciting to see him uh, in another tone of green. Yep. All right. Uh, any other notes from your notebook before we sign off? 
No, let's go uh, go chase a ch- uh, championship here. That's really right. exciting about the wide receiver room. Yep, I am too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We'll be back next week with another one as we continue our position-by-position look at the NFC North, and we talk about other news and notes across the National Football League and the Minnesota Vikings who are just launching training camp at TCO Performance Center to listen to previous episodes and future episodes of the Wobcast 2.0, you can find us wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. So if you're listening but you'd like to watch, you can go find us on YouTube as well. On behalf of my co-host, Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Until then, Skull Vikings.